good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Shores. We're in our second week of our playbook series. Would y'all thank Matt Moody for sharing with us this morning? Wasn't that great? That was awesome. That was awesome. Power of a huddle. So I'm going to let you get ahead a little bit, then we're going to set everything up. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to turn here in a second. So Mark chapter 2, second book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark will be in the second chapter. If you have your app, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store is the easiest way to follow along. All the notes are in there. Um, really, really easy. Or you get the little playbook document on the way in. That'll be something you can, you can write on. You know, last week, our week we kicked off the series, it was like 90 degrees, 80% humidity. And you're like, it doesn't feel like football. And then Saturday morning you got up, it was 66 degrees. How many of y'all are ready for cooler temps? Raise your hand. How many of y'all, though, let's go ahead and vote on this. Maybe the Lord listens. How many of y'all would be okay if we went straight from fall to spring and skip winter? Can I get an amen? amen. There we go. All right. As long as we skip winter, I love fall. But Friday night, I was on the sideline, local high school football game. All the scrimmages kicked off. Um, and I watched every local high school this Friday will we'll tee it up for the beginning of the season. Then we've got Kennesaw State. Welcome back. Would y'all welcome back all our WAVE students. Welcome them back home. We're so glad y'all are here. Kennesaw State will tee it up here in a few weeks. And you will watch the craziest thing happen. You will have a sideline. So the Falcons will have 53 players plus personnel. Colleges will have usually 75 to 80 players plus personnel on the sideline. High schools will have 65 to 90 kids on the sideline every Friday night. And it's awesome. It's just this big group, massive humanity that's watching the game. But then you will see the group turn in towards each other. And that's the huddle. See, the huddle is the place where the play is called, people are encouraged. See, in a huddle, all of a sudden, you're accountable to somebody, right? Even for a team that goes no huddle, as they meet all week, they are face-to-face -face with each other, and they are encouraging. So in a huddle, there's all kinds of things that get said in a huddle. Some can't repeat, be repeated at church, but there's all kinds of things that get said in a huddle. Sometimes you're helping somebody run the play they've run a thousand times, and you're encouraging them to go left, not right on the route, right? You're telling them sometimes a bad things happen, and look at me, look at me. In the huddle, they go, hey, pick it up. It's okay. It's okay. Let's get this next one. See, all kinds of things happen in a huddle that can't happen on a sideline. See, a sideline is just this mass of people. They're all standing there. They're watching the game. But in a huddle, there's unity. And I'll tell you this. You can determine the success of a team's season by the strength of the huddle. How much they trust each other. How much they love each other. How much they're for each other. How much they encourage each other. It's the power of the huddle. Nobody explained the power of a huddle better than the gentleman that Matt Moody referenced a second ago, Bill Curry. Bill Curry is a living legend. Bill Curry knows a lot about huddles. He was in a huddle at Georgia Tech as a player under the great Bobby Dodd. Then he was drafted and went to the Green Bay, well, undrafted, went to the Green Bay Packers, played for the great Vince Lombardi, and his quarterback was this a little-known quarterback named Bart Starr. I think we've heard about him a little bit. And then he gets, ends up with the Colts. 
and his coach is Don Shula, who's in the Hall of Fame. And his quarterback was a, a guy that I've heard about it one or two times, Johnny Unitas. All right, and so Bill Curry knows a lot about huddles. He was a coach at Georgia Tech, Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia State. But the way he explains a huddle, I've never heard anybody do better. Check this out, would you? The football huddle is a metaphor for our culture, imperfect like all metaphors. In that huddle is a bunch of folks that are black, brown, white, red, yellow, liberal, conservative, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Buddhist, and Hindu. We are slim, fat, short, tall, fast, and slow. We are analytical people, and we're impulsive people. We have some of the finest men on earth, and heaven knows we got a few rounders. We have been through the fires of Bear Bryant and Bo Schembechler or some such coach that knows exactly how to extract every ounce of our energy. Americans see all that and they resonate with it. They crave it. They take it and us into their hearts. The men who are in a place in the huddle have experienced the miracle of team. The training camp experience is unbelievable. It is day after day, week after week, two-a-day, three-a-day practices in the heat, often in 14 pounds of equipment. Many drop out, numbers thin, and everybody thinks about quitting. Trust me, everybody. For those who do stay, there is the opportunity to participate in the greatest team sport ever devised. It is the only sport in which every player needs every teammate on every play just to survive. We learn ever so slowly that our differences do not matter in the huddle. When we trudge in after each interminable workout, we know that sweat smells about the same on everybody's body. When we get busted in the mouth, that blood that trickles is the same color. Everybody's tired, everybody's hurt. It is in this process that the miracle occurs. Men who've been raised to hate each other's guts become brothers, have seen racists reformed, have seen the most unlikely hugs after victories or losses, I've seen inner city kids invite country boys from the mountains to go home with them for Thanksgiving dinner, and I've seen those invitations accepted and reciprocated, thus changing parents' lives. Our players become brothers for life. It is what America is supposed to be, could be, might be in our best dreams. Run through the banner and play. Are y'all that way? I mean, that gets me ready to go. I love that. Because the power of the team resides in the huddle. I would tell you the power of a church resides not in the rows, but when we see each other face to face. Mark chapter 2, would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? There's something about friends, the power of friends. I want you to read with me, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read. If at any point you're reading something and you're like, that's not corresponding, just look up. I'm talking, all right? I'll, I'll yak a lot. Here we go. Verse 1, Mark 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum. Capernaum was his home base of ministry. It was where everything sort of flowed out of. So Jesus would go out and then Jesus would come back. So they were very familiar with Jesus. Jesus was very familiar with the people. Several days later, when he returned to Capernaum, the news spread quickly that he was back home. So Jesus, hey, Jesus is back in town. Now, 
Everybody time out. He's been doing miracles. He's been out healing. He's been out changing lives. Nobody had ever seen anything like Jesus. And the word of who Jesus was was spreading like wildfire. Verse 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even the outside door. So back then you had a little, um, these little houses were one flat. Basically, you would have a little outer courtyard. Then you would open the door into a large room is basically what it was. It was just a large room and you had a little kitchen area that they would do and sleeping area, but it was one area. But then almost all of them that they've excavated, they had a little stairwell that was on the outside of the house that you would go up to get to the roof, which plays into this story. The, the roof was like a thatch and tar and all this compilation of stuff, and then grass would grow on the roof. So that's where Jesus is in the house. There is no room in the house. You can't get in the door, right? While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a what? What's it say? So he's paralyzed. They've got him on a mat. They heard Jesus was there, and they bring this guy to Jesus. They brought this guy to Jesus to be what? What did they bring him for? They wanted him to be healed. They wanted this friend of theirs to walk, and he had no way of getting there without these four guys. The problem is the room's crowded. You can't even get in the door crowded. But that was not going to deter them, we find out. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Look at the next part. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. This is an amazing story. So these guys are like, we're not going home without our friend meeting Jesus. So they go up on the roof, and they. this is a phenomenal story for everybody but the homeowner. All right, I don't know what State Farm thinks about this, but they dig a hole in the roof. And look at what happens. And they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I mean, this guy is going for the ride of his life. I don't know what these four guys, they have an engineering degree or if they're just four jokers that just decided, hey, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. And they lower this guy on a mat down to where he's in front of Jesus. Verse 5 is a powerful verse that plays into today. Don't miss. There's one word in there I want you to get seeing whose faith what's it say next whose four guys not the guy the guy on the mat was along for the ride the faith that Jesus saw was in his four friends that brought him seeing their faith Jesus said to the paralyzed man my child your sins are forgiving. That is not why he came. But that is what he needed. See, to have his legs healed and his sins not forgiven would be a short-term solution, right? He would be healed short-term. But he was going to die and be separated from God because he didn't know Jesus. Jesus forgives his sins. So just know in that crowd, there were some uh, 
religious leaders who knew a lot and they were very intelligent, they were very bright and they, they knew too much actually and they have a real problem with Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knows what they're thinking. So we pick it up in verse 10. So Jesus says these words, so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. That was what their issue was. Then Jesus turned and he said to the paralyzed man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. So he looks at this guy who most likely has never walked a day in his life. And he looks at him and says, well, if they've got a problem with your sins being forgiven, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to pick up your mat. And I want you to go home. And look at what the Bible says. And the man, what's the next phrase? What's it say? He did not go to PT Solutions or nothing, all right? So this guy just jumps up, right? I mean, he just pops up. My alarm clock went off at 5.05. And I sounded like a cereal getting out of bed. Snap, crackle, pop, all right? So I'm trying to get up this morning. Not this joker. I mean, it goes, this joker just jumps up. And look at what he says. He jumped up grabbed his mat, which he had most likely laid on his entire life, and he walked through the stunned onlookers. They could not believe what they had seen. They were all amazed, and they praised God, proclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And lo and behold, this story wasn't meant for us to just know, but it was meant for us to figure out what it means to us. And that's what we're going to do. Would you pray with me? Father, today, speak to us. Teach us. Challenge us. God, I, I don't need just some other thing to go, oh, that's great, that's a cool story. But God, you left us this story. Maybe for a day like today. God, do your work in our lives and in our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and find two or three people around you. Introduce yourself, would you, this morning? So let me, let me say this as a preface this morning. <clears throat> I love Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. Like, I love, my body does not like getting up, but I love, get, I love getting up and coming on Sunday mornings. It fires me up to come in on Sunday mornings. The, the hard part is, if this is all you get, it isn't enough. It's like being on a sideline. It's great to be on a sideline. But unless you go face-to-face -face with people, you're missing the power of the team. So how many of y'all coming in today were greeted by somebody in the parking lot or at a door? Raise your hand. Okay, good. You were all greeted. How many of y'all met somebody and they were really friendly and they were really nice? All right, good. Um, if you met somebody who wasn't friendly and nice, please tell me, all right? And so hopefully they were all nice and friendly. But I have a, a pretty good feeling as you came in, they're like, hey, welcome to North Star. Glad you're here. And your response was, hey, great to meet you. Glad to be here. 
And that was probably the extent of the conversation. If you walked through a door this morning and somebody said, how are you doing? And you went, you know, I'm glad you asked, all right? And so I've had a hip problem this week. Well, that didn't happen at a door, right? It doesn't happen at a door. It doesn't work like that. So it is incredibly easy to sit in a room like this and feel like nobody knows me, nobody knows my name, nobody knows my face, and nobody knows my story. See, we live in the most connected world ever. But I would say we live in the most disconnected world ever. Would y'all agree? It is possible and it is likely to be in a group of people and still feel lonely. If y'all believe that, would you agree? It's easy. It's easy to sit in a room like this and go, nobody knows me. I sit in the same spot every week and I look at the same, that guy's hair. He used to have more hair. It's, it's, it's fading as time goes, but I don't know anybody So how does the church combat that? See, any church over 170 people is a large church. The average church in America is 65 people. Do you know that? 65 people. Average church. Once there's over 65, 70 people, you don't know everybody. So the larger it is, God sets up and we set up huddles, groups, so you can know people. And there's a power in it. So before we dive in today, let me say this. This is a disclaimer right here at the top. If not one person in this room signed up for a group, not my business. This isn't for me. This is for you. Principle number one. I want you to write this down. Ready? Principle number one. I need friends who help me up. I need friends who help me up. I don't care the title on your business card. I don't care the year you are in school. I don't care what neighborhood you live in or what you drive. We all need friends to help us up. And here's the problem, because we don't know when we're going down. We don't know what phone call's coming. We don't know what doctor's visit is going to go awry. We don't know when we walk into the person we thought we were spending the rest of our lives with when things go sideways. We don't know when we walk into the job we thought we were going to be in forever and they've decided to go another direction. And I'm going to tell you something. Life has a way of knocking our legs out when we least expect it. We have got to have people to help us up. There is nothing more tragic on the planet than to sit in a room like this or an overflow in the theater this morning or watch it online and nobody know our face, nobody know our name, nobody know our story, and we're going down and nobody knows to help us up. And we're just laying there and we're helpless. This guy on the mat was helpless. He had no way of getting to Jesus without these four friends. There was no Uber app. There was no Lyft app. You couldn't call the local donkey service, right? It didn't work. This guy was stuck. And we have times in our lives we need somebody to help us up. There's going to be a play on Friday night at a local high school, and some kid's going to muff the play. And he's going to need to come to that huddle, whether it's on the sideline or on the field. And somebody's going to say, we got this. 
We need friends to help us up. Paul wrote this to the church at Galatia. We've been reading through the book of Acts. We'll be back there in a couple weeks. And Paul said, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I want you to write down two things. Ready? We all fall. And we all need help up. So when North Star started 25 years ago, I was 28. Ann was 27. Our son was three. Our daughter was in the womb. So she was born. We started in January. Mary Michael was born in March. My son is now 28. My daughter is now 25. They're both married. Ann and I grew up here. Back in when North Star started, both my parents were full-time employed, working. Both her parents were full-time working. And 25 years later, Ann and I have lost three of our four. I lost my mom and dad in one year, and she lost her dad in 2020. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't see that coming. See, it's, it's, it's good to be able to get up here every week and encourage you and pour into you and challenge you. And for me to tell a story and you laugh makes me happy. All right, and so I love that. But life hits us all, doesn't it? 2020, life hit our family. COVID puts the stranglehold on our country. In March, in October, her dad didn't feel well, or late September, her dad starts not feeling well, goes in the hospital. I'm in a wedding in, in uh, Dahlonega, and it's like they're rushing him to the hospital, and we didn't know he wasn't coming out. And a week later, he goes home to be with the Lord. <clears throat> We're stunned, stunned. If you knew her dad, he was bigger than life. If you had been around North Star any length of time, you knew Big, his name was Big Paul. He was Big Paul. He was a big personality, everything. I remember doing the service. It was still during COVID, so it was, we had to spread people out and a whole bit. But I remember coming back to my house after the service. And on our island, Andy Duncan from Chick-fil-A and Brenda had brought a spread. And I remember all the ladies in Ann's small group being there to take care of every need. See, when we go down, we got to have people to help us up. I remember standing in Fayetteville, Georgia, at, in the funeral home in 2017 for my mom, for my dad in February, my mom in May, and friend after friend after friend from North Star that are in groups of mine walking in, guys hugging me, telling me, we got you, we're here. See, we all need friends to help us up. Number two, I need friends who'll spur me on. We all need people to challenge us. Not just, I want to just write down two ways we get challenged. Words and prayer. Sometimes it's words that challenge us. Sometimes we need a good swift kick in the pants, right? In, in the huddle, there's going to be some kid. So I'm grabbing another kid's face mask and go, hey, lock in. Man, you're, you're drifting. 
people. We need all new people in our lives in a huddle to look at us and go, come on. All right, honestly, how many of y'all, there's been a point in your life that you just wanted to quit? Not you want to do something, but you just were like, I'm just tired of all this. How many of y'all, raise your hand if that's you. If you didn't raise your hand, you lie. All right, and so we've all been there, right? We all feel that way sometimes. And we need people to spur us on. The writer of Hebrews, whoever it was, said, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. It's funny, when you get in a huddle, people bring out the best in you. It's like you get around a group of people and you're like, well, I need to go. And, but their faith makes your faith stronger. Sometimes they've been through what they've been through to help you go through what you're going through. And here's the deal. All of a sudden you go, okay, God really wanted us to meet each other. God wanted our lives to connect. So tonight at my house, worked out awesome, we're kicking off our fall group uh, for coaches and couples. So it's a, it's a Bible study that I lead, my wife and I, for full-time coaches. These are people that make their living on the collegi- in the collegiate ranks or professional ranks or high school ranks. They make their lives coaching. Now, so I'm a community coach. I coach for a hobby. I do not coach for a living. I'm not tying my profession to a 16-year-old who broke up with his girlfriend, all right? And so I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to tie my future to a kid, all right? And so I, I just do it as a hobby. I'm a hobby coach, not a professional coach. They're all professional coaches, teachers. And they're going to walk in there tonight and we're going to talk. And what's great about the group is they all get each other. See, I know we all have people that are critics at work. I, I know this is shocking to some of you. Not everybody is a Mike Lynch fan. Did y'all know that? I don't know if you knew that or not. And so I know that because they write cards and they never sign them. But they write cards and they slip them in. And they'll, they'll, the, our, our staff usually tries to destroy them before they get to me. So I get depressed. All right, And so they, they get rid of them. But nobody vocal, vocally ever gives me the business on Sunday morning. I mean, nobody stands up and goes, I disagree. All right, that would not, security would escort you out. All right, and so that doesn't go well. But these guys, these ladies that are coaches, they know. People openly disagree with them in the stands by their spouses. Like they question them and yell at them. Say they don't know what they're doing. That's hard. So they'll... They'll meet together tonight, and there's some Hall of Fame. They were in the last hour, a couple Hall of Fame high school, Georgia high school coaches that'll be there. And so, yeah, professionally, they can get better by knowing each other, but there's just something about knowing you're not alone. Last year, so we kicked off the year. So tonight, they'll all go around and introduce themselves because we've got 12 to 15 different schools represented, a bunch of different sports, and they'll all go around. I'll say, introduce yourself, tell who you are, where you coach, Spouse's name, what they do, and this is the start of last year. And I said, and introduce yourself. After you introduce yourself, say, what's your biggest prayer of 2022? That was January. So we went around the room. So guys are like, I'm so-and-so. I coach so-and-so. And 
my biggest prayer of 2022 is I want to read my Bible more, or I want to have a better quiet time, or I want to pray more, I want to be a better dad, or I want to be a better mom, I want to be a better, uh, better spouse, whatever, I mean, you're sort of going around there, it's pretty generic, going around the room, and it goes to the back row, and there's a young man, he was in the last hour, he's one of our youngest coaches in there, and it gets to him, and he said, hi, I'm so-and-so, I coach so-and-so, and my biggest prayer of 2022 is I pray the Lord will take me through hard times so he can stretch me and grow my faith. And every coach in the room just put their head down like this, right? So it's one of the last ones that went. And Ann looked at me like, your answer was weak. All right, compared to that, it was really weak. And I'm going to tell you something. I left that night, and my life was better because I got challenged by somebody who's 20 years younger than me. See, there's times in our lives we need sharpened. You don't get that on Sunday morning. You, you, you sit around nice people, and many of you, you sit in the same place. We, we pride ourselves on not being like the church you grew up in. But we really are. Y'all sit in the same place every week. Only thing missing is a hymnal, all right, in your seat. That's the only thing missing. You sit in the same place. But the problem is you still don't know the people around you. That's why we have groups. That's why this wave crowd, they're going to kick off here in a few weeks, and it's going to be awesome. Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock, when some of you are turning into bed, the college group is starting, all right? And so some of y'all are just getting into Dateline, and they're just cranking up. I know sellers will ask me to speak sometime, and I'm like, I got to drink like a big old Diet Coke on the way in because I'm, I'm waning down. They're cranking up, but they're not built for just their service. They're built by getting those kids in, and then they get out in groups, and they make relationships. That's where the friendships are made. So we need people that spur us on. We need people to make us better. Number three, Ready? Now we need people that make us better and spur us on. We need friends who'll lift me up. You need friends. Not friends on Facebook or Instagram. We got Instagram. We got plenty of those. Twitter friends. I keep running out of Facebook friends. Like I hit a limit and it makes you, so I have to delete. So if I deleted somebody, I'm sorry. But anyways, but I don't know half the people. And it's like, you just need to go, nobody in there. You don't know anybody on there, right? I'm not talking those kind of friends. I'm talking about friend friends. So for years here at North Star, we've been great preschool, great children's, great students, past couple years, with Jordan Williams starting it and Sellers and Hannah coming in. We've grown our college ministry and it's just, it's awesome now. And then we had a gap. We didn't have anything. And then we had couples groups and men's groups and women's groups. But like for when you graduated college, we didn't really have anything. A couple years ago, Mike and Daniel Lindemann on our staff, God laid it on their heart to start a young professionals co-ed group. And these are Students that have graduated and now they're teachers and they're starting their business careers and they're getting life under them. And they're incredibly connected. They're wired in. But they don't always have somebody to lift them up. And they end up at Mike and Danielle's house on Tuesday nights. You're going to see the story of two dudes, just two great guys. One from Virginia, one from 
here locally. They met. It's a co-ed group. Sometimes guys need guys. You just need another guy that comes alongside of you and you go, I'm here to help pick you up and carry you for this season to get you through what you're going through. I want you to watch this story. It's pretty strong. Check it out. Because we've been leading the Young Professionals Group for, I think, two and a half years. And I don't know, you came, you came several times, you tried to plug in, but um, about, a, about a year ago, right? About a year ago is, y'all met in the Young Professionals Group and really hit it off, right? Yeah, yeah, we really hit it off. I think we were both at a time where there's a lot of transition for us. Uh, Nathan had not yet become a firefighter and gone through Fire Academy. And I had just moved down from Virginia. And what was nice was both of us were in a similar life's place, life step, but we were both looking for someone to speak as honestly as possible into our lives. And then to have a friendship along with that was just, we became fast friends. And Your dad's been real. Real encouraging, he finds me on, on Sunday mornings and, he, and he's like, I'm so thankful for Nathan, uh, finding, finding his people and finding his community. And I mean, it's been a blessing for us to host and to lead this group and to, and to get to hang out with y'all. Apparently your dad's love language is, is notes. And so he, he reached out, he, he sent us a note and I was, gonna, I was gonna read you a little bit of it so from sweet. him. It is, it is sweet. And he says uh, that, um, that the group has shown Nathan, his spiritual gifts and how to use them. And he said that isolation is one of Satan's strongest weapons and having a group to be a part of and to meet each other's needs has been very good for him. And he said that everyone needs to be a part of a group to grow and to serve. It was a real lonely year that first year that I moved here. And I definitely thought about moving back to Florida because it's where I grew up, it's where all my friends were, um, it's where I was comfortable. Um, and I think I kind of just decided I'm going to give it a year and see what happens. And I'm glad I did because I'm very happy here. I feel like I'm supposed to be here. Getting plugged into a group like Young Professionals, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for me meeting you when I was touring the church and then coming over to your place and loading up a trailer. If it wasn't for that moment, I would have never met Nathan. I would have never met the dozen or so friends who I lean on down here and call call on, you know? They're my two o'clock kind of friends. Two in the afternoon, two in the morning. If I called, they pick up. If it wasn't for Young Professionals Group, I'd, I'm not quite sure where I'd be right now. Would you guys thank Nathan and Michael and Mike and Danielle? Wasn't that good? There's two guys from very one from Florida, one from Virginia, very different seasons of life, very very different places in life where they grow up, but they move here. Had met their mate, hadn't met their 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 spouse yet, their lady yet. 
And they're both in those seasons where you need, you need each other. You need a guy just stepped in that goes, man, you can do this. I don't live in that season forever, but it's a season. Some of you, you're in your season. You're raising kids. You're parenting. Parenting's tough. Some of you are in the season of parenting your parents, which is one of the most difficult seasons. We never saw that coming. We never knew we'd have to become a parent to our parents. Can I challenge you with something that I thought Michael nailed there at the end? We need two o'clock friends. Two in the afternoon and two in the evening. Two in the middle of the night. People, we can pick up the phone and call and go, hey man, I need you. Here's the challenge. The challenge is, number one, to admit we need it. Number two, to do something about it. So that we have groups here at North Star. We have everything you can imagine. Everything, literally. Every kind of man's group, every kind of couple's group. We have the Young Professionals co-ed group that meets. We have HSM that meets tonight, our high school ministry. And they meet and worship. Give them what they do. They break up in groups. They go out into their groups. And that group leader loves them, cares for them, watches after them. Wave, Tuesday night's cranking up here soon. We have grief share groups for those that are walking through grief seasons. Why? Why? Everybody look at me. Because I don't want you to do this thing by yourself. I want you to know you got people in your corner. I don't know what's coming your way. This isn't for me. This is for you. I'll tell you this. I've never met somebody who regretted doing it. I've met a lot that regretted not doing it. And they sat in silence. And they laid on a mat on Sunday mornings. So physically they sat up. But spiritually they were out for the count. I want everybody to look at this. Everybody pull out this little brochure, would you? Pull out this brochure. You don't have to read it now. It has every group we've got. You'll see pages and pages and pages. Find one for you. So when we get done today, right out in the lobby, right outside this room, if you're in the theater, you're watching Overflow from Theater, you just walk right out. And there are tables, there are, there are um, cutouts with QR codes that have all the information. Get in a huddle and don't do this life by yourself. You know my prayer for North Star? I pray one day, there's a day, that 100% of the people that come in on a Sunday morning are face-to-face with somebody in a group. That's my prayer. Because then I'll know you ain't going to get missed. Just this summer, I got a call 11 o'clock at night. I'm at a camp speaking, and it was from a group leader who said, I've got somebody in my group going through a hard time. I'm here at their house. We got them. That's 2 a.m., friend. You need it, too. Would you pray with me? Father, today, this story is an encouragement because your goal is not that we lie on a mat. It's that we have four friends carry us to Jesus. 
God, I pray that every person has those four friends. Father, I pray that our groups will be that place that we huddle up, we remind each other of what's important, we do life together, then we go out and attack life, then we come back and we, we spur each other on, we make each other better, and that, God, we become the church you created us to be, one huddle at a time. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name.